Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Good afternoon and welcome to Fire in the Belly with Pat Slattery from, well, the Outstanding Network at the Outstanding Pat Slattery. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pete. It's Great to uh, be here. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. It's um, you know, Really, the concept here is we want to talk about what it takes to become outstanding and really is to take people on a bit of a journey and no better man than the outstanding Pat Slattery to, to take us through that journey, you know. So um, I just really wanted to ask, Pat, I mean, what, what does outstanding mean to you? Oh, what does outstanding mean to me? Uh, that's a good question because I, I, I remember when I, I decided to become outstanding and uh, and then for quite a while, I guess, I was beating myself up because, look, my, my background, you know, if I was to believe where my background would have taught me where I, what I would have achieved in life, I wouldn't really have had uh, a lot of expectations in terms of where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I I didn't by any means feel uh, I was worse than anybody else or not better than anybody else or not equal to anyone else. But I, I guess I didn't, I didn't believe I was paying full out for me and what I was capable of doing and what I was capable of achieving because my environment would have impacted a lot of the way I would have thought and expectations I had for myself and therefore generated certain beliefs. So, you know, I remember being being on this journey in terms of building a business and, and you know, when I was building a business, the truth is I was just out there, I was chasing money. I, need, I needed money. Money was making a, a positive impact in my family's lives and the people that, that mattered to me, you know. So I was really chasing money and because I, I wanted it to use it to create better a better life, and that was the reality. And but along the way, I started discovering a hell of a lot more about myself. And you know, I remember being at a seminar one time, and somebody asked a question and said, "Look, you know, when you start looking at what you get paid, you know, and you you may go out there and decide yourself, you know what? If you want to do a good job, if you do a really good job, you know, you you guys, you know, everybody everybody knows people who do a good job. And now, how many people do you know who do a good job are satisfied with their paycheck? Mm. Not many, right? So, you know, people kind of give out a lot and say, you know what, I, I, I should get paid more because I do a good job. So when I listen to this, I realize, well, you know what, what do you get paid? What do you get for doing a good job? You get bad pay, right, for doing a good job. Mm-hmm. So you kind of say to yourself, you have to be that little bit better because for, for me at 14 years of age, as you know, when I left, when I left school and I left home at 16 because I, I – for work but at 14 having that job having that full-time job and the income it was bringing in to support my mom at the time was was a had a major impact and of course myself i mean i had money in my pocket which i was not used to having you know mm. and um and i didn't want to lose that so i made a choice i knew i knew you know if i wanted to keep this job and at the time that was my most prized possession was that job and you know i was working at the time for 35 pounds a week but it meant so much to me, and I just knew if I if I was to keep this job, what do I need to do? And I just decided I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the absolute best. I'm going to turn up 100, give 100% every day. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put a smile on my face no matter what I feel like. If I'm exhausted from working hard, I'm gonna work harder. You know, I, I made that choice. I'm just gonna be the best, and and nobody was gonna find fault with what I do. And that's how I, I started this journey. And as I started to progress and, and you know moved out of that job and into running my own business and building my own business, and I kind of took that attitude with me everywhere. But as I said, when when I when I was at the seminar and I heard you know, what do you get? I mean, I was doing a really great job, right? I wasn't doing a good job, okay? When I went into work in that hotel, I was doing, I had moved beyond doing a good job because I thought if I do a great job, then I'll certainly be get the recognition I deserve. And I discovered that when you do a great job, you still get bad pay, right? So, and this is what people, and I hear people who don't understand this and get a bit upset and they go, well, you know what, I, we do, but we do a great job. And now you've come to realize that now in particular in these times, people have that expectation. They expect a great job. They expect you to be great at what you do. And they expect to have that for the money they're going to spend with you. So, you know, I, I kind of started thinking, well, what, how can I step it up again? What's going to make it different? Mm. And, and I just took on this belief that I was absolutely outstanding. And I mean, it's we're not in an egotistical way. That if I could be outstanding and I could deliver outstanding, and, and you have to understand as you're going up the tier, when you get to that level of outstanding, and it's just a small ceiling to break through, you know, you're, you're here, you're at great. Outstanding is just here. That's just, it's a small jump. Starting out, you're down here, good is here, great is here, and outstanding is just here. And how can you break through that? Because once you break through into that space and you become outstanding and you deliver outstanding services and you behave like an outstanding person, then you get outstanding pay and, and outstanding opportunities open themselves up to you. So there's a slight difference in terms of being there because you have to be it, you have to live it, you have to breathe it, you have to literally become it. Now, in, in the early days, uh, you know, for me starting out, I, I started out trying to prove everybody wrong because not many people believed in me in terms of what I, what I was capable of doing. So I started out out of pure stubbornness, right, and pure willpower. I was going to prove everybody wrong. And, uh, and I did. And I was feeling proud of myself because I, I started up my company and my business at the time. And then as I started learning more about me, I thought, you know what, I can do more. I, I wanted to prove to myself now that I can do more. And I was out there, you know, respectfully killing myself in my business, growing a massive business, making lots of money, which was what I was chasing in the beginning. But, but I was paying the price. Yeah. And, uh, and my health was deteriorating. My family life was deteriorating. I didn't. You know, I, I didn't have much to offer other than money. And um, and I realized for me that there has to be something more. And, uh, and I thought, how do I, how do I do more? How do I, you know, when, when I think about being outstanding, what does that really mean? And I, I can tell you, I, I decided, and I remember specifically the, when I made the decision to stop trying to prove myself, that I had nothing to prove to anybody, not even myself. And I wasn't, because I had stopped proving, trying to prove people wrong. And you know what? The funny thing is, as I became more and more successful, less and less people challenged me. As a matter of fact, practically nobody challenged me. People accepted that I knew what I was talking about and I was capable now because I proved it so many times. Mm. But I kind of got beyond that stage of trying to prove things to myself until I realized I have nothing to prove, not even to me. Mm. I have to accept that I'm outstanding and that is good enough. And when you accept that that's who you are, that's what you stand for, that's what you become, then, you know, not, without being egotistical, you behave that way, you think that way, 
you become critical in your thinking, you become strategic in your thinking, you become a solution provider or, you know, you're, you're, you're solution focused. And when you're having conversations with people, that's the type of conversation that naturally rolls off your tongue. So you kind of, I suppose, effectively become fluent and outstanding mm. in your behavior and your language and everything that you do. And that tends to attract people, the right people. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you when you do this and when you become this, and this is not, you know, I, some people may may think, and, and some cases people say, you know, is it fake? Is it false? Can you be that way all the time? When you can, that doesn't mean that things don't get in the way and life doesn't get in the way sometimes. But you absolutely can be you know, once you choose to be. And once you realize you choo- choosing to be means you have nothing to prove. You just accept that. Mm. And when you do accept that, the, the most outstanding people tend to come your way. They find you. They gravitate towards you. They believe in you. And not only that, it gives them opportunity to believe in you because you inspire them to believe in themselves. And that, to me, is what outstanding means, you know, and, and, uh, and to feel it and to live it every day, you know, and, and literally to become fluent in it. And, you know, again, finding the best in people as well, not just yourself, but finding the best in people and just seeing it out there. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that you, you, you know, some people have this notion that when you're in that space that you're living in la-la land, right? Mm-hmm. You often hear, you know, but it's not. It's about being real. It's about being real and finding your truth. And then you're absolutely outstanding. And it's not about comparing yourself either to anybody else and, you know, or competing with anybody. You know, because we, we live in a world of comparisons when most people are out there comparing themselves to somebody else. Or, you know, as you say, look, you know, you, you, you introduced me as the outstanding Pat Slattery, right? And, you know, and you know a lot of people in my industry and some people in my industry would say to me, you know what, just Pat, I, 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 I hope someday I get to where you're at or, or I want to be just like you and do what you do. Well, that's a choice. Mm. That's a choice. You know, and, and I said to people, well, what, is, what, what has stopped you? Mm. What, has stopped, what has stopped you? And they said, well, you know, I don't think I'm doing enough. I said, why do you not think you're doing enough? Because I see what you're doing, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and I'm not just there just yet. Mm. But you know what? Me being outstanding started 20 20 years ago when I actually chose to be outstanding. Mm -hmm. The rest comes. The the truth, if you like, or for want of a better word that people might look for, the proof comes after you decide. You can't do the stuff to become outstanding, you must decide right now, you must choose. And the things you do become fluent in outstanding. So for me, for people, you know, I believe everybody is outstanding. Mm. I believe everybody can share it and, and show it and be it. But you don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like anybody else. You just be the best you. And, you know, when I, when I took that job in that hotel at 14 years of age, and as I said, you know, my choice was, you know, and, and I, was fa- I, was, I was scared. Honestly, I was scared of other people. I was scared about somebody else doing a better job than me and they would have be kept on and I'd lose my job. And, you know, because a job is something I, I, I strive to have. That's all I ever wanted to have in my life was just to get a job. So I had all that fear as well. But I remember, you know, I used to talk to myself a lot, right? I'm a bit of a dreamer and I sometimes I dream out loud. But I remember being up in the ballroom in this, in this hotel. I was waxing the floor in the ballroom. Yeah. And I went over that floor and like, like a fine tooth comb and I just said, you know something? Yeah, one one of the other guys who was working with me he was just he was just like an expert at this. He was so good, you know. And uh, and I used to I used to fret over that and think that geez, he's so good, he's so good. But I also realized, you know what? And I remember saying to myself, "So listen, Pat. Nobody can be a better you than you. 
and that's outstanding. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that somebody out there can do a better job at what you do. Of course, there are always going to be somebody who can do a better job, mm-hmm. and you know, and embrace that and encourage it. And maybe learn from them too. But for me, it was a, the choice was I knew that nobody could be a better me. No matter how hard they tried, nobody could be a better me. And for people who are watching this, nobody can be a better you than you. Nobody. And if you take that on board and you be the best you can be, then that's outstanding. You had an interesting point there. And, and you know, it, it is coming down to choosing or deciding. What does it take? I mean, you know, that choice of that decision, what do you believe oh. it takes? Funny, I found the answer to that long after I made the choice. Um, for me, I made the choice out of necessity, right? I mean, it was necessity that pushed me into into making that choice. But I, I often go back and, and I talk about a lesson that I had learned, about, again, about the four emotions that I had picked up from, from the great Jim Rohn. And, you know, for me, the number one, what does it take? What it really takes, what it really takes for people to have that breakthrough is finding, discovering that first emotion, which he calls disgust. And disgust says, I've had enough. What's going on in your life that you have enough of? What is there, what's going on that you no longer accept to be normal, to be accept to be okay? And when you really figure out what's going on in your life that you have enough of, that's the moment your life changes. Now, the next step to that is you have to commit to an act. You have to commit to an act that says, I have enough. And for me, I had already committed to this act. And when I look back on my life and I realize it and I go, wow, I, I, I get it. I know that was my driving force because I had enough of not having enough. I had enough of, you know, not, not feeling good enough. But like to become outstanding. I mean, I, I didn't always feel good. I didn't, I mean, I wasn't always great at certain things, you know, and, and you know, you compare, compare yourself to other people. I mean, growing up as a kid, I was rubbish at soccer. Rubbish at soccer. I swear to God. When I tell you rubbish, I was rubbish. And, um, you know, and there was a few of my mates end up with broken toes or sore shins because, it, you know, I, try, I badly tackled them, if you like, right? And it used, to, it used to drive me crazy. It genuinely did. It used to drive me crazy because I was always last. You know, when you line everybody against the wall and you pick captains and not picking their team, nobody wanted to be on their team, right? So I was rubbish at that. You know, thankfully, you know, I did discover the game of rugby and I was quite good at that. Right? <laughs> but, but, you know, there, there's, you're going to go through lessons. You're going to go through life. You're going to discover what you're good at, what you're not, what you're not really great at. And, but if we, if we stay in that place in our lives where we compare ourselves to other people who are just better at us at certain things, then you'll always struggle, I believe. You know, you will struggle until you realize, you know what, I have enough of that. I had enough of me, I guess not feeling good enough to be on a team or on that team or to be picked. So I just changed it and found out what I'm good at. I stopped worrying about it. You know, I see, I have some great friends of mine who were kids, we would grow up as kids together who were on Facebook who were exceptional soccer players. And I still see them posting stuff up about, you know, the soccer and the whole lot. And I actually know I admire them. And I, 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 I think they're magnificent people because they were great. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't really like them. We were friends, but I didn't really like them because I thought they were better than me, you know. But when you move beyond that and you move beyond thinking or comparing yourself to other people or comparing yourself to what society thinks you should behave like or you should have, you know, or you should be, you know, most people I find are going out there and they're living their life based on what they think somebody else has chosen them 
to do or to be, you know, even to get a job or, you know, to become a, have a certain skill set that they've been taught to have because based on somebody else. But for me, thankfully, I was never a conformist, you know, and um, I just figure out what I'm good at. And when I choose what I'm good at, I choose to be outstanding at it. And I simply choose that. And I don't diversify from it at all. And if somebody doesn't agree with me, that's okay. I don't even get it. I'm not even interested in arguing or trying to tell somebody or, or change somebody's mind. If, if it's what they, if this what they believe or what they get, that's okay. It's not to do with me. I don't go there. Mm-hmm. I choose to focus on what, what is outstanding for me and what will work for me, what more I can do of and how better I can be, whatever I can be, and how I can be a better person tomorrow than I have been today. So I'm really not interested, uh, and I mean that respectfully, in people who want to challenge me or challenge my beliefs. I accept their beliefs and I accept who they are. And I'm not trying to compete with anybody. I'm not trying to compare myself to anybody. I am the best me. And I am absolutely outstanding at being the best me. And I can say that to you without being egotistical. And the truth is the same as for every single person watching it is here. If you choose this and stop competing and stop comparing, just accept that you are absolutely outstanding. You are the best you. There may be some habits you may, may have to change. I had to change certain habits. There were certain things I had to stop doing to be the best me. Just chose that. I chose to get out there and, and be part of my plan, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was just sort of curious, you know, you said there to, you know, when you find what you're good at, I mean, what, what does that look like? You know, how do you know what you're good at? You feel it, I think. Okay. I feel it. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's insane. That, I mean, I, I tried a lot of things to discover something I was good at. You know, sure. So um, it, it brings me back, actually, to, to somebody I followed for many years was, was Aaron Swastiger. I'm a big fan of Arnie's, no matter what people think of him. But I, what I love is his attitude. And he talks about bringing the A game and having plan A and only plan A. And his plan A, you know, for him, he, he made a choice that he wanted to become the best bodybuilder in the world. And as he said, you know, in, in beautiful talk he'd done, he said, you know what? He said, on that journey, I lost hundreds of competitions, hundreds of them. It would have been easy to give up. It would have been easy to stop. But I knew I could be the best at this because I could feel it. And I chose to stick to plan A. There was no plan B. And eventually he became the best bodybuilder in the world and probably the most best known bodybuilder in the world of all time because he stuck to plan A because he felt he was good at that. And when you feel you're good at it, that doesn't mean just because I feel it today, I can just go out there and all of a sudden they change the world. Mm. Time, it takes time too. It takes, it's a process. And it's a process of, you know, you accepting that you're good enough and doing it for you, by the way, for you, 100% for you, not for other people. I meet a lot of people who tell me, oh, well, it's not about me. Well, if it's not about you, it's never going to make sense. I mean this in the most respectful way. It's never going to, if it's not about you, it will never translate the way you want it to be translated. You have to accept that it is about you because, you know, I, I am blessed by what I do. I get to change thousands of lives. I, I have mentored tens of thousands of people over the last 25 years, and that feels absolutely wonderful. That feels outstanding. And if I don't get that feeling, then I'm never going to be outstanding in what I do. That's the reality. That's what's in it for me. I get If I don't get that feeling, it doesn't matter. People think, oh, you'll get paid really well for it. The money will never be the motivator. Mm. It's what you're getting from it. And when you get it, when you feel what it is you're outstanding at, then you, nothing, there's nothing to take it from you, actually. And the reality is the opportunities that open up to you are incredible. So for me, I feel it. I, I just feel it. It feels right. 
Um, it, it doesn't always make sense to everybody. Sometimes it may not make sense to me. Um, you know, I may, I may feel something, and, and, I, and I say that people, because I get a lot of people come to me asking me how to do what I do, and I want to do what I do, and I want to be out there as public speakers, and they, they, they want to share their message. And they get a lot a little frustrated because they're not getting the response that they expect. But part of that problem, and I mean this respectfully to people who are watching this, is most people have an expectation of instant gratification. They want it back right now. But it takes time because you have to understand that most people you're meeting are still living in a world of comparisons and they're going to compare you to somebody else too. And they're, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, oh, well, let's see. They have a different level of expectation. Let's see if you're going to be around in another 12 months' time. Let's see if you can deliver on what you promise. So people have that expectation and people are not going to make instant decisions that you are the best they've ever came across or whatever. Hmm. So you have to show up. And again, it's not about proving. You don't have to prove anything. You just got to show up with the best intention and show up and be absolutely outstanding. And, you know, I've had somebody before who said to me, you know, they wanted to create a talk and get a seminar together and they wanted 150 people. And, you know, and they said, like, you're always doing this. You keep bringing the numbers in and how do you do this? And and uh, when I asked them a question, said, you have a seminar coming up. How many have you booked in? And they said six. And I said, okay. So, so they said, how, how do you get 150? I said, honestly? I said, you're not going to like my answer, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Because when you start and six people turn up, you deliver like there's 150 in a room. Hmm. You give it 100%. You'll be outstanding. And that's how you get 150 people in the room. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight all of the time. You've got to put the work in. You've got to be, you know, you've got to set out your intention. And as you often hear me say, pay attention hmm. to your intention. Do what needs to get done, but do it by operating from your truth, do it with the best intention and be absolutely outstanding on every single day to everything you do as much as you possibly can be. Makes sense. So tell me this, who, who can be outstanding? Well, absolutely anybody. Anybody can be outstanding. And, you know, it's amazing. I mean, you know, I, I have four sons. I, I believe all my sons are absolutely outstanding. They're outstanding in their own way. They're, they're very different individuals. There are very different characteristics about them. They, they do things very different for a living. And, and I can talk about them because they're, I suppose, so close to me. And, um, and they can absolutely be outstanding. And they choose to be in, in their own field. And, you know, we always say be outstanding in your own field. But the truth is, yes, you can be. And nobody has, nobody has a right to tell you any different. Mm. So people have to buy into this themselves. They have to believe in this in themselves and, and choose to be. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you have to be doing what I'm doing. You don't have to be standing on stage in front of thousands of people. You know, you, I mean, I know somebody actually who, who works in a, in a call center for, for, um, for emergency services. And that person is doing outstanding work every day. Mm. And nobody even sees this person's face. Most people even don't, don't even know what this person does for a living. Mm. But they're absolutely outstanding every single day. And you know what? If you tell them they're outstanding, they get a bit bashful about it and a bit embarrassed about it. But that doesn't stop them being outstanding. I, you know, I can think of hundreds of stories of people I can see who I, who I see operating in a, an outstanding manner. And, you know, and I would love for people to kind of go beyond that now and actually choose to be yeah. and, and choose to accept that they are. And when you accept that you are, 
Yeah, in the beginning, you kind of challenge yourself a little bit to make sure that you're you're staying on track mm-hmm. in that way, and that you're translating your outstandingness, if there is such a word, by everything you do and everything you say and the way you think that you're playing your part. And you do this without judgment. You know, to me, if somebody's outstanding, there's no judgment. There should never be a judgment. You don't allow anyone to judge you, and you don't judge yourself. You just choose to be. Now, some people do certain things, and they, they do things that not everybody has the same belief in, and that doesn't matter to me. I don't care what people's beliefs are. I don't want to challenge anyone in their beliefs. I accept if that's their belief, that's their belief. And I, I have no desire, by the way, for anyone to try and enforce their beliefs on me either. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have no we have no authority to judge, to criticize. I don't believe anybody has that, uh, should be allowed that. Now, I know some people say, okay, well, then we look at criminals and how criminals behave and everything else. But we also have to understand, you know, there are outstanding criminals too. <laughs> They're outstanding in what they do, right? But, but the truth is, look, I mean, there, there's always a motivation for behavior. And when you get to the bottom, the, the, the root cause of that motivation, that's when you understand that people change. But I can't get to the bottom of your motivation. I can't get to the bottom of anybody. I can't dig deep and find out what your motivation is. You have to find it. We can bring it up. We may say something that inspires you to think differently, but you have to discover what your motivation for action is, what, what motivates you to make a difference, what may, in, in either way, what motivates you to not make a difference. Or, you know, it's whatever the motivation is, is, is where, where, to me, that's where the golden ticket is. If you can figure out what that is uh, for each individual and they can identify where they are, then they'll change. They'll change how they think. And, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a world just full of outstanding people? Or maybe it'd be boring. I don't know, you know. But but I just believe anybody can be. I, I would I would encourage everybody to be. You know, and when I see somebody out there, I mean, the, the one thing I, I feel that I do a lot and put myself in Donna, we, we do this purposely. If we go somewhere and uh, to a restaurant, a shop, a hotel, and, and we see somebody who's outstanding at their job, we make sure to tell them. Mm. We make a point to telling them. You know, and we make a point of complimenting people who are absolutely, you know, they might be great at their job, but I can tell you something, the more you compliment them, they will be outstanding at their job because it increases the belief in them. They take they take from that whatever it means to them. It's not, I didn't give them the okay. They take it to themselves, but I imparted that process, you know, and it's the same with every single person you meet. And, you know, it's like my mom used to say, if you're nothing, if you're nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. Right? Just don't say it. Just let people be in their own space, whatever they need to be. We don't know what's going on in people's lives when they behave certain ways. That doesn't mean we won't sometimes. We may stop somebody if they're being mean or selfish or unruly in, in some other way. But you know what? Identify the outstanding people and let them know they're outstanding. Let Recognize them and, and support them in becoming outstanding. But it's a choice that anybody can be. Absolutely anybody. You know? And, and again, it is, it's a choice, and every choice is a consequence. Every choice you make is a consequence. It's not really choosing an action. You're choosing a consequence. You're choosing an outcome. Everything that you do, you have to choose to do it, and you're choosing an outcome. That's what you're choosing. It's not an action. It's an outcome because there's an outcome based on the actions that you choose to take. So I always say to people, think it through. Really think it through. And think if you're cheating yourself or you're fooling yourself or you're looking for that instant gratification, that quick fix, really think it through. How, how sustainable is it? 
you know, I think if if I was to create a whole series of activity that would get me there, that I build a solid foundation on, then it can be absolutely outstanding. Doesn't that make better sense? Mm-hmm. So you choose your outcomes, you know. So choose to be outstanding. That's, I'm curious as well. Obviously, the, on the other side, you know, telling someone that they're you know successful or or you know that their their qualities, and you're saying obviously there, you know, the people become very bashful. So I'm just curious, why are people bashful? You know, if they've done an outstanding job or great quality, it's that they almost can't accept it. When you say this to me comes from society, I think you know it depends on it depends on. I mean, you tell my seven year old, and he tell you, I know. You tell him he's outstanding, he's magnificent. He say, Oh, you know, yeah, because that's the that's the environment he's in. He's been told every day he believes it, hmm. and he behaves in that way. Now, you know, you go back to me, even when I was seven years of age, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have told you that. And by the way, I had, I had fantastic parents, actually. I don't think any of my, my parents ever told us we were never capable of doing anything. You know, I don't ever believe they did. But some of the environment, the environment I was in taught, taught us, and I mean, respectfully, it taught us that people like us don't amount to very much. And, you know, and, and don't forget where you come from. This is something we've heard so many times. Or, you know, don't be so big-headed. And this, this message that was repeated so often was stored in our subconscious. And we also understand, too, that when, when, when you get a certain thought and it creates an emotion, that emotion creates a behavior. And, you know, I, I, you know, I know in the environment I grew up in, from most people I meet, they've, taught, they've been taught how to be embarrassed. Mm. Right? Because they've probably been challenged. And again, respectfully, if any school teachers watching this, I hope there are some good ones out there because with the exception of one or two in my entirety of 14 years or whatever years I was in school, I didn't meet that many good ones. They taught me how to be embarrassed. They taught me how to be embarrassed. By being the last person picked on the team, taught me how to be embarrassed. So your environment has a major, a major impact in how you feel and how you behave. So the the teaching that comes from us, by the way, is not just what we learn in the school, it's by what's going on around us every single day. So you've got to be very careful on what you're buying into. You know, we also grew up in an environment, like, look, particularly here in Ireland, we're Irish. We love taking the piss out of each other, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and we do, we make fun. And yet, I remember having a couple of speakers over from America speaking in our seminars, and, and there was a bit of banter. And they were in total shock. They couldn't believe that you would say that. Why would you say that? And this is just, you know, we, we, then we said, oh, let's just go crack. And they thought we were talking about drugs. We had to say, no, <laughs> crack in Ireland means fun, right? Yeah. You know, and, um, but they, they, just, they just don't do it. They just don't do it. And uh, which kind of got me thinking, yeah, you know, why, why do we make fun out of each other all the time? Why do we, you know, mm. why don't we build each other up? Because we know we make fun out of it. We, we, we can take it, right? We can take a certain element of it, but there's still a level of embarrassment around it. Mm. So, you know, and so why? Because we've been taught that way. We've been taught how to embarrass each other and how to feel embarrassed about things. So when somebody does come along and give you a compliment, we've also, you know, we, we've, seen, we've seen it many, many times. And this is not an Irish thing, by the way, either. This is a worldwide thing where, where somebody starts to achieve something and people go, who do you think you are now? Don't, don't, you know, don't be coming to get, don't go up your high horse here. Mm-hmm. Don't be thinking you're any better than anybody else. And because when you hear that, you think, oh, geez, you know, are, do these people think I'm trying to be better than them? And then it comes back to that comparison again mm. and that challenge. 
You know, and it's nothing to do with you. When somebody says that, it's nothing to do with you. That's what they're feeling in themselves because that's what the environment has taught them. So you've got to be very clear and very careful about your environment and what you're allowing in. But not only that, what are you sharing? But you have three beautiful children and everything. And by the way, they're looking up to you for everything. They watch everything you do. They listen to everything you do. And they're looking up to you. And this is the truth for everybody who's watching here. The people in your environment are looking up to you, particularly right now. Mm. And they're looking for you to lead the way. And no matter what you think or feel or see, they think, feel it and see it too. So that's how environments are impacted. So for me, if we're in, in an environment where it keeps telling us, looking, you know, we don't amount to much and don't get too big for your boots now. You know, don't forget where you came from. When somebody you know, tries to give you a compliment, that instinct comes back in. You go, ah, oh, geez, they're thinking too big for my boots. But thanks. Well, I know I'm outstanding and I take every compliment you can give me. I'll appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> Bring it on. I, I, I can handle it all. So if anybody is worried about getting compliments and don't want to take them, send them my way. I'll take them. Well, <laughs> so, you know, I say that in a fun way, but the truth is, guys, you've you, you got to allow yourself to take it on board because even when you feel bashful about it or you feel embarrassed about it, it's a wonderful feeling. And, you know, we, we were doing it one of our, our network calls yesterday where, where one of the ladies, Brida, had shared her story. And the compliments that she got has inspired her so much, mm. inspired her so much that people actually believe in her that much, that she know her, her belief in herself is just being reinforced. And that's going to inspire her to go and do more great things, more, much more great things. And that's, what, that's the outcome of inspiring people, but also allowing yourself to, ex to accept it. Everybody loves to be recognized. Everybody loves a compliment. Right? We may get bashful about it because we've been taught to be that way. Mm. But it's okay to say thank you for the compliment and really take on board the compliment and accept it to be the truth about you mm -hmm. without being egotistical. Just accept that if somebody says, you know what, you are Pete, you are a mighty Pete, you are an outstanding guy, that you take it on and you say, you know what, rather than being bashful, just say thank you because it means a lot. And the more you do it, then the more you become. And the more you can still listen to people, the, the, the better they become at being mm -hmm. themselves. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll accept it. Absolutely. Except, you know, I, I, actually, that, that comes from, from I've got to tell you a quick story, because where I learned that, if I'm honest, and it was later back, and again, I, I reflect a lot. I spend a lot of time reflecting. I look back on my life and look at things that have impacted my life or changed my life. Mm. And I had I had the most, most beautiful, wonderful aunt, my Auntie Brady. And when I was growing up as a kid, I mean, I come from a very big family, as you know, but myself and Brady, we, we had a great bond. And I used to spend a lot of time uh, with her. Her, her husband um, died when, when she was expecting her first child very young. Right, okay. so she remained a widow all her life. Mm. Um, she she used to work in the Shannon duty free shop. She used to manage a duty free shop there for thirty five years. Right, so she was very well spoken and quite a lady actually, and very well educated. And she educated me. I could read and write and do everything before I started school, like before I went to play school. Right, but you know when when I grew up, I grew up in in a family of sixteen kids, so we didn't have very much. And I remember one evening, I used to go to Brady's quite a lot, and she'd teach me how to read. She taught me with the JWT um, brochures. I remember the JWT sun brochures. And I used to look at these people sitting on beaches in Spain. To me, like, it was a whole new world. <laughs> never, I never saw a beach in my life, you know, let alone see people sitting in sunshine and crystal blue waters. 
So I've done a lot for my imagination as well in terms of where I wanted to be and getting out to see the world. But but I remember coming to meet her one evening. I used to do run errands and go to the shop for her and so forth. And I got to see her one evening and she um she said she had guests. If you didn't mind would I come back tomorrow? I said, No problem. So when I was heading home, this this other girl from my neighborhood was calling me, right? And uh and I stopped and she said, Pat, she said, Brady asked me to give you these. So she had this thing in tinfoil in her hands. And I said, what's that? So he opened it up, and it was like a full fry-up. You know, it was bacon, sausages, and black and white pudding and everything. And I was like, you know. Mm -hmm. But the embarrassment kicked in, and I said, I I don't want that. I don't want that. I said, I don't want that. Don't be giving them to me. Now, we didn't have, I mean, it would be very rare in my life that we could have a fry-up. And I mean, this in the most respect to my parents, they were great parents, but they provided as much as they could possibly do, and and they managed exceptionally well. But we didn't have treats. That would have been a treat. But the embarrassment factor came in. I didn't want anybody to know that, so I, I wouldn't take it. And, of course, she said, oh, great, can I have them so? <laughs> I was raging. But, but I walked away thinking about that. It was only later in life when I realized that Brady was so kind, actually, so kind to me, that her, her intention, that was a really good intention mm. to give me that. And I'm sure if she saw me refuse them, I would have embarrassed her and I probably would have hurt her feelings. because. She would have think, thinking if she embarrassed me would have hurt her feelings and would have made, and would have made her sad. Mm. And I realized, you know, something I, I would never. If somebody wants to give me a gift, I don't ever want them to feel I don't appreciate it. So I always say to people, even a gift is a compliment. Accept it with the intention it's been given. If somebody wants to give you something with good intention, whether you want it or you don't, accept it with the good in, with the intentions being given because it makes people feel great about being able to do something. Same with if a kid says to me, "Oh, would you like a sweet?" If I don't eat this food, I don't care. I'll take it and I'll say thank you. And I'll show appreciation because I will accept it with the intention it's been given. Mm-hmm. So when you get a compliment or you want, somebody wants to gift you something, accept, don't, don't say no, don't embarrass somebody by refusing it. Accept it with the intention it's been given. So when you get compliments, don't embarrass people by refusing the compliment. Accept it with the intention it's been given. Make them feel good that you mm-hmm. truly accept that compliment, that gift, because that compliment is a gift. That's what they're giving you. Mm-hmm. So sense. you are absolutely outstanding, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us, what is the price to pay? Oh, yeah. My goodness. We have about four hours for that question, I reckon. <laughs> you know, the, the price to pay is, look, you, you know, sometimes you're going to have to change your environment. Sometimes you're going to have to move away from certain people and move out of your comfort zone because, mm. you know, you're going to get challenged and not everybody, not everybody has the same ambition that you're going to have. Not everybody's going to have the same belief. And by the way, it's not that everybody does it purposely to hurt you or insult you. It's just that they're, they're speaking from what they feel. And, you know, if you want to get out there and you want to change your life and be better or whatever it is you want to be better at, it takes work and it takes a lot of effort and it takes putting in the time. And if you don't put in the time, then you can't ex- expect to reap the rewards. So when you understand the, the importance of, of looking at what it is you need to do, to practice the time you have to commit to it, and no matter what it is you want to do and want to achieve and you want to be really successful, it is going to take time. And it's going to take a lot of effort. And it's going to take you sacrificing time with certain people, maybe. It's going to take you sacrificing um, time for yourself that you may have wanted to do other stuff that you have to learn more knowledge, uh, get a better understanding of where you need to be at, what you need to do, the type of people you need to be surrounding yourself with. 
you know, so so that's that's part of the sacrifice. It may it may require a financial sacrifice as well. I mean, that may be a price that you have to pay. So you know, and and it's not just about the what you pay financially; it's about the time that you put into earning that. That's a sacrifice. So there's always a price to pay, no matter what, no matter what goal you have. It may mean moving away from certain people, and that's a price you have to pay in order for you to better yourself, to change change how people are impacting the way you think, the way you behave. It may it may come to the point where you have to just say, look, I just got to stop it. What have I got enough of? You got to cut out of your life what you have enough of. And I will say this to you, I mean this, is, you know, if you're going to change, people are going to leave you. Yeah. And that's something you have to be prepared to accept. And that's not always a bad thing, by the way. But as you change, not everybody's going to be happy for you. And, and you know, people are going to leave you. So you have to find that courage and that strength inside yourself to be able to manage that. Now, that's when it becomes fearful. A lot of people say that's when you kind of feel alone. and Because you're wondering, well, where I want to move to, will I be accepted? And if I'm not accepted, will they accept me back if I come back? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and the reality is, if you be the best you can be and you'll be outstanding, everything is going to be fine. Because if you feel it and you have that desire in your heart, then you just go out and do it no matter what. You go out and you do it. And yes, there will be a price to pay. There, you know, Sometimes you, you may have to, as I said, move away from people, not see the people who you want to see more often. You may have to spend a lot of time studying, getting to know your craft, that you spend time away from the people that are important to you to get that knowledge that you need. You may have to work hard in order to create an income to pay for the materials that you might need. But there's a price to pay for everybody. And the one thing you've got to ask yourself, when you look at your goal and that dream that you have, mm. if it's big enough and if you desire it enough, you will make it happen as long as you're to, prepared to pay the price, whatever that price is. Mm. You know, And the price will be different for everybody else. But what, whatever it is, you've got to look at your goal and say to yourself, am I prepared to pay the price? And if you are, then you will succeed at whatever it is you want to succeed at being. I'm quite curious because obviously you sort of were prepared to pay the price by the by the sounds of it at a very early age, you know, to stand out, to to be different, to, you know, get on, you know, and that's just something you just almost seem to accept intuitively. Yeah, I mean, I think most people have it intuitively, but, you know, sometimes it gets it gets beat out of us, I suppose, but for the want of a better word, right? You know, you go to school, you're told what you can do, what you couldn't do, you're put in a box. I don't believe I mean, I I can take 27-year-olds out to field there at the moment. And look, I, my son plays rugby, right? So we go to rugby with him. And there's probably 40, 77-year-olds actually on the pitch at the same time. When you throw that ball in there, they all believe they're the best. They all get involved. They all chase the ball. All together, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you 40 kids in a pile-up. And they don't believe. They really don't believe. They don't compare themselves. They're just having fun. You know, and, and unfortunately, over time, that's going to be going to be beat out of them, not physically maybe, but it's going to be beat out of them in terms of the mindset and where they're at. They're going to be told what they should be doing, what they can't be doing. They turn up into school and they're told, sit down, be quiet, get in the queue, you know, put your finger over your mouth, put your hand up if you want to speak, put your hand up if you know you need to go to the bathroom. You know, I remember having a, a, a great teacher years ago. He was a great fun. And we used to say, oh, you know, sir, can I do this? And he said, I don't know, can you? Right? He said, can you do it? He said, well, then why do you need my permission? Just do it. You know, and he said, no, if you want permission, you have maybe ask me how you do it. Mm-hmm. But he said, you can do anything. Yeah. You don't need permission. You can do anything. If you think I can do it, yeah, you can do it. And 
you know, and, and when you get that, you have, people have to instill that into as many people as possible. They don't know this. They can do. They can be anything they want. Mm. There's nobody out there, by the way, who can say you can't. Nobody has that right. Absolutely nobody has that right. So for me, growing up, I mean, my God, I, I think about it, Peter. I could go back and back and back into different things I was doing. I think necessity was my driving force. Okay. You know, um, we, uh, we didn't have a lot. I mean, I was, I was, oh, I remember the eight, eight years of age. I, I, this is ironic because I was talking about this earlier to a friend of mine on the phone this morning. Remember the day the milkman used to deliver the milk to the houses? Wouldn't it be great in this current climate that we had a milkman delivering milk? Mm-hmm. You know, and I used to deliver milk when I was only eight years of age in those glass bottles and door to door. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, I used to get two p, <laughs> two p used to get off the guy for, for helping him for a full day. I used to, I had an uncle of mine who used to do coal and, and wood blocks and so forth, and I used to go walking along, you know, through the sides of the roads and over the little dump to find bags so he could bag them. And he used to buy the bags off of me, right? So I used to go looking for bags because it was giving me money. I could buy stuff, mm-hmm. you know. At 14 years of age, or sorry, 12 years of age, I, I started working with a neighbor of mine uh, doing a bread round. And I ended up knocking on doors and selling 400 slice pans a day, right? You know, every day, 400 slice pans a day. And I do that for two pounds a day, right? And that meant an awful lot to me. And, and I remember, you know, the things I'd done. So I necessity kind of pushed me. Um, I guess I had good people around me too, Peter. I mean, you know, when I look back, I can look back in my life and, and say, even, even with the environment I came from, I look at my Aunt Brady, who was such, such an inspiration. And, and for me, my dad, my dad was my best friend. I spent most of my time with my dad. We used to go walking in the mountains. We used to cut black corn sticks and shillelaghs, Irish walking sticks, and spend a lot of time out in, in, the, in, in the countryside, you know. Um, I, I look back at, you know, my rugby coaches were so, so inspirational to me as a kid. And, and how they looked after me and took care of me. And, and I could tell you a whole story on that. I could write a book on that and how great these guys were. You know, I got involved in youth clubs and I had the right people in around me. I mean, even at 13 years of age, a group of us in Maras, where I came from, a group of teenagers set up a summer play scheme, or they call it summer play camps now. We, we decided we were going to put together programs for the kids in the area. And we had 500 kids turn up. <laughs> we, we thought we were prepared for 15, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but we did, we got on with it, and you know. So I had, I had very inspirational people around me, people who had very little in life, but were prepared to be the best they could be. Even I can tell you, most of them weren't even aware. I wasn't. I just thought about just having fun. I was looking for something to fill my time, you know, and to be part of where I was at. Uh, you know, I have some of my family members who are huge inspirations to me, you know, and um, so I, I was blessed with the people who took that time, who complimented me, who. Give me the, the, you know, the go ahead, go out there and be the best you can be. Just be yourself, you know. And um, yeah, so I, I reckon I, I was quite blessed with the people that I was surrounded with, and, and as a result of that, you you see the possibilities. You know, yeah. you you will challenge yourself un- until the day comes. For me, it was necessity you now to push me because I would have challenged myself. I, um, so here's a story I rarely even tell people. I I got that job in Cruises Hotel at 14 years of age, so I left school then. I was working for 35 pounds a week. I was so taken away with the job. I was in such a space about, you know, the panic and the nervousness about whether I lose the job or did I do a good enough job on my first day. So I remember I had to, I had to go and buy myself a new clothes and a white shirt and my dicky bone, my black, you know, black shoes and black trousers and a brand new, brand new clothes, right? Which was a big thing for me at 14, believe it or not. Mm. And, uh, but I was in such a space. So I walked straight out the door. Now, the Cruises Hotel was on O'Connell Street, Limerick, which is the main street. 
I walked straight out the door, out onto the street, and I hit my car. <laughs> I was I was thrown up into the air, right down top of the windscreen, the bonnet of the car. And in the, my instantly, I jumped up. I was panicking. I brushed myself down. I, I, I was thinking if somebody sees me, I'm going to get sacked. And I actually took off. And the guy who hit me was jumped out of the car, asked me, is he okay? And they just took off and ran. And he was standing in the street, one of them was, is he okay? But, but because I was panicking that if somebody saw me that, maybe I was, a, I was stupid or done something silly or whatever, mm. I started in the instantly judging myself. And I took off running, you know, after getting hit by a car. You know? <laughs> so, but it just gets amazing how, how the brain can fool us and trick us. And, you know, and, and it really only comes from, mm. from the environment, really, the information we're taking in every single day. You know, like right now, you, in this current situation, no matter what, people are talking about COVID-19. You know, we, we have our own programs going, where we're changing that. We're changing the way people are thinking. We want to put some good stuff into people's minds. And many years ago, I stopped reading the newspapers. I stopped listening to news. There's nothing on there that serves me. I only want stuff coming in here that will serve me and serve people. People said to me, well, how do you know what's going on in the world? Trust me, somebody will tell you. Right, there's plenty of people out there who are willing to talk about what's going on, current affairs, etc. Uh, what's going on in politics. People will talk about that and they'll tell you. You can find yourself either getting engrossed in it or you can focus on what's really important to you and what you can do to play your part in being outstanding in this world. And that's what I choose. So Makes anybody sense. can be anybody can be it. You know. I just had a curiosity, I mean what what sort of lessons have you taken forward into your own family? I mean what you know, what were your core principles? Do you remember with your boys? You know, and oh well, my my, my boys would tell you who dad. Mm. You don't listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, I I can't. I, I, honestly, I can't force my beliefs on my values, and actually, I wouldn't. And and I even tell, I would be happy to say to him, listen, question everything I say, mm. question everything. You know, because I, I can tell you honestly, from growing up, for me. My my beliefs and one of my greatest lessons actually for me was to be prepared to change your beliefs often, because I can tell you that almost all of my failures, if you want to use the word failure, are challenges that came up in my life, are certainly because of beliefs I was holding onto. Mm. Without question, there were beliefs I was holding onto, and I wasn't prepared to change those beliefs, which led to a, a, a lot of heartache. Um, but I learned to, to, to question everything, to question what I'm believing. So if I find myself holding on to something, I wonder what's going on there. So for me, the only thing I, I would hope and, and I believe my sons have taken away, uh, and, and it's theirs, by the way, it's not mine. I ju- I, I'm just part of their life uh, amongst the many other people are part of their lives. But I would hopeful, be hopeful what to take away from me is one that they believe they can do anything they want to do with the shoes. The other thing is is to be truthful. I mean, look, you know, my sons have been there. They've seen the ups and downs of my life as well. They've seen the ups and downs of my business and so forth. They've seen it when times are tough and all. You know, so you wonder they take their own message out of mm. your experience. But the only thing I ever I, I encourage them to be is the best they can be. I don't care whatever they do, whatever they choose to do for life, for living. I, I will stand by. I will never get in their way of being who they want to be. But all I expect them is to be honest and you know, be truthful and come from their truth and be true to themselves. Just be the best you can be. And, you know, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say it. Mm. That's what I would be hopeful they would take, you know. And if they come to me and they want advice, hey, listen, you know, they're my sons. They're probably going to challenge me more than anybody because I'm dead, you know. But, but that's healthy too. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and 
Yeah, and, and it's a different because, you know, when people are close to you, and this is something I've realized too, it's, it's actually much easier to hurt people that are closer to you. Mm. Right? And, and I see people in saying things that are hurtful to people that are so close to them. And, you know, you wonder something. People go, why, why would you hurt the person that you love the most? Why would you do that? Because maybe, I don't know, I don't really have the answer. There's a lot of psychologists and professionals out there who are probably trying to come up with an answer for this. But maybe it's because it's a safety, a place of safety that you feel you can, you know. But I, I had, um, you know, so, so being challenged by people who are close to you is okay. Just don't take it personal. You know, I'll try not to. It's never easy. But, um, but I do think, you know, one thing I do like is we can have a, we can have open conversation. I can have any conversation with my kids now. That would not always been that way. That doesn't mean we always agree, but we can have open conversation and it's okay. You know, but, you know, when, when it comes to expressing how you're feeling, you have to bear in mind how it's impacting other people too. And um, I had a, had a wonderful coach, a wonderful coach of mine, a good friend, a guy called John Flynn, who, who made me realize, you know, one time he said, he said, Paddy said, whatever the emotion is going on, now you have to find your own way to, to manage this. Whatever emotion is going on, whatever you're feeling at the moment, he said, men in particular, men tend to suppress their feelings because we told men up, don't cry. You know, you're a big boy now, all this kind of stuff. So men so, suppress their feelings and suppress the emotions that they're feeling. So therefore, he said, that's what creates a depression. Mm. He said, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they just blow up about something that seems so silly or, or you know, unimportant. So he said, the key is that he believes, and I believe it too, is to be able to verbalize how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And we often talk about this, you know, talk to somebody, to be able to verbalize how you're feeling. And, you know, he said, so he said, if I can speak it, I don't have to become it. So if I'm saying, I, right now I'm feeling really frustrated and I'm feeling really angry, it's nothing to do with you, Pete, but that's what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And you can say, that's okay, Pat, if that's where you need to feel and that's where you're at, I'm glad you shared it with me. Now I don't have to become it. Mm-hmm. I can get it out. I'm just feeling this way at the moment. No, therefore, I don't have to become it. If I'm feeling sad, I can tell you I'm just feeling sad. I'm feeling really low. And because I can now get it out, I'm not suppressing it. I don't have to become it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's something I, well, I do believe with, with all of my kids, actually, because, you know, over the last few years, they've all known somebody who have had a tragedy in their lives. And, you know, with the exception, obviously, of my seven-year-old. But my, my other boys actually all came together, uh, funny enough, with their friends and, and pulled their friends together and said, listen, we're all here to talk. We're here to be here for each other. If you speak up if you need to speak. You know, and that to me is something I admire. I, yeah, I can't say they got that for me, Pete. That's, that's instilled in everybody. You know, mm. yes, they, they'll take certain values or they'll learn something from me. But I think it's in, it's in everybody. You just be the best you can be. But the environment will impact how you translate it and how you put it out there and how you accept it too, I think, you know. So I just think I try to, we, we try to have the best environment as much as we possibly can and let people think for themselves, you know. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. So tell me this, I mean, what happens if you don't become outstanding? Change your mind. <laughs> That's the simple, you know, we got to elaborate on that one forever. But who says you, who says you're not? Who says you can't be? Who says you haven't already become it? Mm. There's only one person. Only one person chooses that. Mm. So if you think you haven't, then change change your mind. Sure. Changing your mind may take a bit of work. Mm. 
It may have picking up, you know, reading the right type of stuff, listening to the right type of stuff, talking to yourself. I talk to myself all the time, believe it or not. I tell myself I'm absolutely outstanding. I remind myself. And I sometimes I have no problem in going giving myself a pat in the back when I've done something that I know has just made a major difference. And so I remind myself, you know, Pat, that was outstanding. Because mm. it's only up to me, Pete. It's only up to me. It's not up to anybody else. So if you don't feel that you're being outstanding, change your mind. Now, changing your mind might take a bit of work. It might mean getting involved, finding somebody who can mentor you, who can support you, who can help you. you might find reading the right books, writing the right information down, thinking differently. There's a, there's a process. So I know it's a very simple answer, but it, it's a process to change in your mind. And, you know, and again, this, this is the world I'm in. This is the world I live in. It's the world I, I, I work in, I teach in. And it's the world I love it. It's helping people change their minds. But that's how it is. And if you need a process to change in your mind, then get involved in the process. Find one that works for you. Do you tend to find people coming to you, you know, for mentorship and coaching? I mean, is, is that, are they looking to make a decision or have they made a decision? Well, I think everybody has made a decision in some way, but sometimes, it, you know, they're blinded by fear or, or going around what we call a blind panic. You know, they know what they want, but they need somebody to show them how to do it. Because the environment, maybe the environment they've been in has taught them the opposite, has taught them how to, how to not succeed at it. And, you know, and not only that, when people are out there and they make an effort to change their lives or grow a business or do certain things and it doesn't work out, then the environment, the society they've been in has been, is going to have been fine-tuned to go, ha-ha, I told you so, right? And um, so, but the very, moment, the, the very moment they decide to get up in the morning, they're choosing to be, the best it can be. They're choosing to be outstanding. And it's just this stuff that goes on throughout the day that changes that. Hmm. And it's and the experiences you're getting from things not working in your favor will change that. So all you got to do is get back on plan. Get, you know, so when people come to me, they're more or less, they know they want something. Not everybody knows exactly what it is, mm-hmm. but they know they're not happy where they're at. Mm-hmm. And that's a start. Remember I said, one, they know there's something in their life they've had enough of. Mm-hmm. And yes, and I bring them through that process and I create strategies for them to help them move beyond that and actually give them what they truly deserve in life. I give them the tools, but they have to choose to take it on board, you know? Mm. So an initial moment of disgust, as you say, that sort of enough is enough type. Yeah. And, look, that, and that's how it was for me and many. I mean, I could go give you hundreds of occasions where it was like that for me. And, you know, I mean, I decided there were certain things I, I had enough of. I went out and I'd done something about it and I found the right people. And I invested a lot of money in me by taking courses and by bringing on uh, mentors and going to seminars and reading books. I invested a huge amount in me for that, you know, because I, I had enough of not having enough knowledge and how to do it. So I learned how to do it. And, and I, I'm glad to say I do it outstandingly well, you know, because I, I put in that effort and put that time in it. And I, I gave 100% to me, but I chose because I knew I knew what I did not want in my life anymore. Hmm. Absolutely. Tell me this, what, what can your past tell you? <laughs> don't do that again <laughs> yeah I mean oh, you know there's so many lessons from our past you know and, and you, look the other side of it, you know we use the phrase we hear it many times your past does not equal your future mm. you know but we have lessons from your past and, and we have to take those lessons on board and, and again to quote, quote Brian Tracy who's a, a great friend of mine and, and a good mentor of mine you know he talks about a phrase he uses quink knowing what I now know what would I do differently and you can only change things based on the knowledge you've gained from your past. That's the reality. 
you know, and and again, it's it's understanding we're still on a journey. I'm I'm still on a journey. I mean, my day, my my life starts right now again, actually, in this moment. Mm-hmm. My life will start in the next moment, and the next moment it just it restarts every single moment. So there's always something more, and you know, and there are things I'm going to be doing that may create challenges for me or, or information I want to learn. But I will take a huge amount of what I learned from my past because the past, by the way, we since we come on this call, that's the past. We can't even change that. Mm. You know, but the conversation we're having, we're learning a lot from it. We're learning. I'm learning what you're thinking, and I'm learning. I wonder what he's going to ask me next. And, <laughs> you know, but I'm also learning the questions that that was coming up here because you're asking me questions that have obviously been questions that have been asked in multiple groups and multiple people that you've met. So what I'm learning from the past, which isn't even in the past half hour, is what are people looking for? What information? What knowledge are they, are they seeking? And how can I? What do I need to do to be able to deliver that message to them? So, you know, and plus I can look back at my past and say, you know what, sometimes I realize it's twice as tough as you thought it was and it takes three times as long. Mm. That's okay, right? I've certainly learned there's no quick fix. It's a process. You have to get involved in the process. I've also learned that, yes, there are magnificent people out there, but there are also people out there you can't depend on. You know, so you know, there's, there's so much your past will teach you if you take it as a lesson and don't use it as a stick to beat yourself with. Mm. You know, because I see so many people who, who use their past as a stick to beat themselves with. You know, there were certain things that may happen in your past that you were not in control of. So mm. you can't change that. We can't change anything in the past. We can only do what we can do right now to, to create a new future. We can't even predict our future, by the way. Mm. What, we, what we can do is decide what we're going to do right now in order to be the best we can be. And therefore, the law of probability says we'll have a better future, probably, if we do better stuff now. Sure. You know, and so, yeah, there's so much, so many lessons from the past, but that's all they are. Mm. You know, I mean, like I go back and, and I, I share my story and, you know, you, you know my story, you know my story in depth. And, uh, and yeah, I went through some tough times and made some bad decisions and had to go through a lot of challenges, but that's my story. And that's all it is. It's just my story. I don't live in it anymore. Mm. And, you know, it, that story of your past, only go, you choose to change your story. And I change my story every day. I get better and better and better at what I do every day. I learn more. I be more. I, I do my absolute best. Sometimes it's not good enough for some people, and that's okay. Mm. That's okay. Just be the best you can be and learn from your past. You know, you know, you know some things you've done in your past didn't work in your favor. Don't go back and do it. Mm. Don't do it again. Don't repeat it. And don't let anybody else tell you what you need to do based on past experiences. You choose for you. You talked earlier there about, you know, how you like to reflect, you know, is that, mm-hmm. is that always a positive experience for you or, you know, how, how do you make sure that it's constructive? Let's put it that way. Well, I, I, I guess, Pete, to be honest with you, my, my mindset right now, I, I find it so difficult to even get stuck in a problem. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very solution focused and because I practiced being solution focused, when I reflect back, I reflect back on, on instances, but the, what I'm, what I'm looking for here is, how we got through it mm. because because normally what happens is this is just a moment about the questions you're asking me are general questions that most people need an answer to mm. so when i look back and reflect back on my life i look for i look for the things that that worked i look for the things that you know i i can resonate with most people and challenges they're going through and i just look for how do they get through that mm. what do we do how do things change that's when i reflect back and then 
I look back and I find, you know, the people who, who, who had a positive impact on my life, the people I'm grateful for. So it also helps me be involved in gratitude when I look back on my life, right? So it's not about looking back on what went wrong. It's about looking back and seeing the best of what came out of this, finding what you've done that worked and then become more purposeful about doing more of that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And then I suppose, what can you learn from a current situation? What can you learn from a current, the current situation? I, I guess keep going, right? Um, we, we learn that people, people change. People have different expectations. Um, you know, people that, that fear can be created very easily if we're not careful while we allow in. So I, for me, I can learn, I can play my part in a positive situation, in a positive environment that supports people in changing for good and for better. And, you know, and realizing that for people that there is plenty of hope, plenty of hope, mm. and, and there's plenty of opportunity. And when you can step out of that fear and allow yourself to sit back, and this is what we say to people, listen, you know, use a phrase I learned years ago, sit loose in the saddle for a while and just pay attention to what's going on. You know, in, 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 in my previous life, you know, I used to, part of what I used to do is get into, I've had to go into brawls and try and stop brawls and break up major fights. And, you know, I used to say to people, you just take your time to step back and assess what's going on first and go in with a very clear head and a clear vision of how we're going to manage this. And this is the same through this current situation is a sit back, take that time to reassess everything, think about it in a positive way. Don't focus on what you're not in control of. There are certain things we're not in control of what has gone on in the world right now. But mm-hmm. we, are con- we are in control of what we can do to play our part. Or you have to figure out what that is and remove yourself from what you're not in control of and get focused on what you are. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think we can learn from right now. And we can learn a hell of a lot about ourselves and how resilient we are and how capable we are in this current situation. Mm-hmm. One of the questions I like from before, and as you know, I've <laughs> sort of, I'm always curious about your questions, you know. But um, you know, one of the things you, you asked was, "What makes you different?" Yeah, and I think it's such a powerful question. Yeah, I mean, in in a world full of the same, everybody everybody wants something different, mm. and you know, again, the only thing you can really be different at is being the best you can be, because nobody can be a better you than being you. Right, and that's what makes it different. When when I see uh, respectfully a world of copycats, where people are, are trying to look what somebody else is doing, copy what other people are doing, and you know, they create this world of copycats, then there's nothing new. There's nothing going to excite people about wanting to know what you're doing or what why you're doing or anything like that. So you have to have your story to and understand how to share your vision and why you're doing what you're doing, so people get it and, and you can connect with people, and. And, and, and that's to me how you be different is it's to step up and be the best you can be. Don't be a copycat. Mm. You know, you see it in, in, in my industry. I, I see people that I've seen people come to me with, with programs and, and they try to sell me something. Or, and I mean, I did have a case where a guy came to me and tried to sell me a program, which was word for word, my own program. Right. And, and I was, wow, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and when I showed him it, he was kind of, he was even twice as shocked, right? So, you know, you've you got to share your successes. As you hear today, look, I mean, I, I talk about where some of my greatest mentors. I've mentioned Jim Rohn. I've mentioned Brian Tracy so far. You know, I've even mentioned you, Pete, in terms of the questions you're asking, how much of a difference is making. Hmm. You have to share. Credit is something that you give. It's not something you get. 
Mm. And you have to be able to share that and share your successes. And that's what's going to make you different too. That you're, you know, you're, you're out there and, and you're, you're doing and playing your part by being the best you can be and not competing with people. I'm not trying to be a copycat of anyone. Just be authentic and come from your truth. And when you come from your truth, then nobody can ever take that from you. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And the term, you know, if someone's feeling stuck or feeling challenged, you know, what's, what advice would you have? Uh, well, actually, the funny thing is, um, I'm just in the middle of writing my book, and it's called Rabbit in the Headlights, How to Get Unstuck in Life and Business. And there are multiple areas you can get stuck. And, uh, and again, back to your environment is what you're letting in into your mind is going to help keep you stuck or get you unstuck. Mm-hmm. Being able to reach out to the right people, look for advice, find the people, by the way, who've tested the market. The world is full of people who give you advice. There's a lot of noise out there. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's important that, that you don't get caught up in the noise. Take your time. Find the right person, the person who can resonate with you, who can give you the support, who has the information you need, and, and reach out and do it one piece at a time. Get started. Whatever it is you have to get started and get started. Don't wait to have it all perfect or lined up. Get started, but do it one piece at a time, a small bite at a time, so it's manageable. What happens is I think is so many people throw themselves deep into something and they can become overwhelmed. And that's how they get stuck. <clears throat> if you slow yourself down here and do it a, pace, a piece at a time, let me say this, G, I, you know, I often ask people, tell me where you were five years ago from where you are now. Most people haven't moved very far in the last five years. And, you know, and five years ago, opportunity was presented to some people and they didn't do anything about it. Yet that time has passed anyway because mm-hmm. they thought it would take too long. It would take forever to get done. And the chances are they would have done it and achieved it in that five-year period. So that time is going to pass anyway. So if something that you need to get done to get you from being unstuck, and if it looks like it's going to take a year or two, and listen, that time is going to pass anyway. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Try to figure out what you need to do, what plan I need to create, and do it step mm-hmm. by step. So what is the key to getting started here? The key to getting started is getting started. <laughs> Take the first step. Yeah. That's the key to getting started. And, you know, for, for people, is start thinking about, give yourself time to sit back and think about what do you really want in this world? Yeah. What do you really want? What is it that you really want to achieve and you want to succeed at or you want to have? Or what is it maybe you want to be or do in order to have what it is? And to sit back and take a pen and put it to paper. And don't, you know, don't overthink it. Just write whatever you're thinking. Write it out. Get it out of your head. Get it on paper. And then read it back. And then when you look at that, because here's what happens. People have so many thoughts that they can't keep up with their thoughts. Get your thoughts on paper. Well, you can actually take your thoughts. Imagine, you know, we have our thoughts. And it's there in front of me on paper. Mm-hmm. And I can look at my thoughts. Now that I have my thoughts on paper, I can choose my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I can look at it and go, well, that actually, that sounds a bit silly. That one makes sense. I can now choose my thoughts by getting them out of my head and get them on paper so they don't keep running around going 100 miles an hour. So get your thoughts out of your head and get them on paper. That, to me, is definitely the first start. And then reach out. You know, reach out to myself or reach out to Pete. And if you're something you think we can help you with, reach out. But reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody. Let me tell you, you, you can't do it on your own. Mm. You need to build the right team of people. You need to build good support. So the key is find the person who you believe is the right person and then reach out and get started. That's the only way to get started. I've always noticed how particular you are about language. 
you know, in the language that you use. Okay. No, it's just, I mean, if, <laughs> whether it be, and that's, that's something as well, I suppose, is, you know, getting started, I think, is absolutely a key, you know, and to, yeah. it's, it's a reoccurring phase of yours, you know, is when is now a good time, mm-hmm. you know, which is a particularly great uh, signature message. But it's, you know, it, it's, it is that also, you know, I suppose I'm, I'm always, you know, curious about, you know, how, you know, getting, moving forward, finding your flow, finding your state, you know, so it's. Oh, okay. But I mean, look, obviously it, it's practice, right? And yes, you purposely have to practice your language. And and again, when you hear me talking about environmental programming so much, uh, I, I the, the greatest lesson I've ever gotten that with the greatest understanding came from my partner, from Donna Kennedy, who, who wrote a program around environmental programming and gave me a great understanding of that. And I'm also conscious that, you know, the mind is so powerful in terms of, of where you're at and what you're thinking and what you think about, you become about, right? And so I, I meet a lot of people who, who will say to me that, I don't think that way, yet they speak differently than they want you to believe they think. Mm-hmm. And there will be a point in my life too, you know, it's like when I say, you know, it's not about, it's not about this, it's not about that. And, you know, you, you tend to say that about things that you want in your life. So therefore, you're, you're, you're translating it in a way that you don't want it. So I, I believe in accepting abundance of everything into my life. And I'm very cautious about how I ask for it. And I, I'm no longer cautious. I think, it has, as I said to you in the beginning, I've become fluent in mm-hmm. thinking. Therefore, I become fluent in what I say. You know, I'm very particular about my language in terms of, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I use some colorful language at times. So it's not that kind of language we're talking about. No. But when I talk about me, when I talk about me, I, I, I ask the universe to deliver the best to me. I ask myself, what can I deliver to be the best? I ask myself, what more can I do? And I ask, what more can I have? And I only and when I ask those questions, they're powerful questions, they lead me to great and powerful answers. So, yeah, I say to people, you know, be careful what you say. And it's like, I think somebody put it up in the group today, when, when, uh, um, when you say we, you don't mean me. Because most people, when they talk, we get all this anxiety and we get this and I go, oh, that's not, from, no, that's not me. Mm. You know, no, most people may get that, but not me. Mm. And this is what I get to say to people. You practice this. When you say we, you don't mean me. Mm. Because I'm in control of my destiny, in control of how I feel. That doesn't mean I feel great all the time. I will challenge myself sometimes, but I can remind myself quite quickly of where I am and where I want to be. And that to me is being outstanding and being the best I can be. So when, when we, we choose our language, you've got to be very careful what you ask for, mm-hmm. right? Because the, the laws of the universe will deliver whatever you If you keep saying to people, people I, again, we had it this morning on one of our calls, and one of the guys said, you know, it's not about, I realize I don't need money to be happy. I mean, you don't. Mm. But I can tell you, I know an awful lot of un- people people who are unhappy simply because they can't afford to pay their bills. Mm. Right? So you've got to stop saying that because the more you say that, the less of it you're going to have. Or people say, you know, again, Jim Rohn, I remember Jim Rohn saying, what I do, he said, I do because I love. It's not about the money, but I'll take it. <laughs> because he realized it is also important. Sure. Right? Whereas we, if we keep saying, you know, when I say we, <laughs> don't mean me. But if people keep saying, you know, it's not about the money, then let me tell you this, you're going to have less of it. Mm. You, you should have an abundance of wealth. You should have abundance of health. You should have an abundance of gratitude if you choose it. 
Mm. And allow and just allow it in, accept it. Allow it in. It's not up to you to choose. But it is up to you to choose to stop it. Mm. And there's nobody out there. There's enough money in this world for everybody. There's enough wealth. There's enough health. There's enough love for everybody if they choose to take it. So choose to take it. Accept it. Make the choice. Make the decision. Absolutely. Pat, that's been absolutely outstanding. I've loved every moment of it. It's always good fun. And uh, like I say, we look forward to uh, sort of talking further. Um, but I think there's so many great nuggets in there for people. And hopefully that helps people just get started. You know, and that's what, that's what it's really all about, you know. Uh, just, just to remind everyone, obviously, social media, you have your outstanding network, the mm -hmm. outstanding network on Facebook. You have your website, patslatteryinternational.com. Patslattery.com. Just patslattery.com. So, yeah, please do reach out. We'll obviously put links with this as well. And, um, yeah, look forward to it and look forward to the, the next episode and we get to talk about going through this journey for people. Absolutely. Looking forward to it too. Thanks, Pete. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.